You're listening to How to Succeed in Evil, Crazy Psycho Murder Tree. Chapter 7, Talmadge Visits His Client. Talmadge paused on the steps of the Parks and Recreation Building and resisted the urge to cross himself. This place had to be the least natural, least recreational-looking building in all of Third City. It had once been a coal-fired plant that powered the city's cable car system, but after the lines had all been ripped up, the building had been handed off and traded out until this sooty old pile of bricks had been dumped on the people with the least amount of political power. Parks and Recreation. The door Talmadge stood in front of punctuated a huge brick wall in a way that suggested that it had been added because the architect hadn't considered actual people using the structure until construction was well underway. On the other side of the door was a small gray lobby where a sheriff's deputy was posted at a small gray folding table. He looked up from his phone, saw Talmadge, and snickered. But when Talmadge explained that he was the legal counsel for the prisoner, all of the color drained out of the sheriff's fat, standard-issue face. "'You want to go down there?' he asked. "'I want,' said Talmadge, straining the meaning of the word want, "'to see my client.' "'Well, I'll take you down there, but I'm not going in.' Talmadge waited for the deputy to lead the way. After a pause, the deputy added, "'You understand, I'm not going in there with that thing. "'Nobody can make me.' "'Okay,' said Talmadge." Talmadge followed the deputy to an elevator that looked like it had been installed shortly after the discovery of gravity. The deputy closed the folding metal lattice behind them and cranked the handle to the down position. The elevator descended longer than Talmadge thought possible for a building of this size. Unprompted, the deputy said, It was supposed to be a skyscraper, but the city went broke in the Depression, so, you know, all foundation, no scrape. Talmadge asked, Why didn't you just put him in a regular jail? Light. The only way to really get control of this freak was to wait until dark. Gets his power from the sun or something. So my client is currently being deprived of sunlight? I I wouldn't know anything about that. You'll have to ask downtown. The deputy quickly backtracked. The elevator banged into the bottom of the shaft. When the sheriff opened the door, Talmadge could barely see over the level of the floor. Sorry, the sheriff said. I'm used to a regular elevator, you know. He worked the lever and brought the elevator back up to floor level. The hallway beyond was tiled in old linoleum, and the only light was a single bulb in a wire cage at the far end. Beyond that bulb was a rusting, dented steel door that could have once been painted red. A keening sound filled the space. It was simultaneously high-pitched and low and guttural. It hurt Talmadge's ears and rattled his heart in his ribcage. He looked to the deputy for some context. The deputy said, Hey, if you don't want to go down there, no problem. We don't have to go. I'll take this elevator back upstairs, no problem. I even got half a ham sandwich you can have. Talmadge shook his head. He's my client. He? Yeah, if you get back out of there alive, you tell me again about how that thing in there is a he. Talmadge stepped into the hallway. After he'd waddled a few paces towards his fate, the deputy followed reluctantly. He said, Okay, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to let you in, and I'm going to lock the door behind you. Then I'm going back to the elevator. You bang on the door when you yell if you want me to get you, but if anything else happens, I'm taking the elevator upstairs and I'm calling for backup. What about me? asked Talmadge. 
No, what about me is what I'm saying. What happened to protect and serve? He who protects his own ass lives to serve another day. First rule I learned at the academy. As they walked towards the door, Talmadge saw hunks of brick missing from the walls, scorch marks, and deep scratches in the floor. Uh, what's this? The prisoner did not go quietly. At the door, the guard slipped the key into the lock and then looked at Talmadge and said, On three. What are you talking about? The deputy unlocked the door and pushed it open just far enough for Talmadge to go in. When Talmadge hesitated, the deputy said, Three and kicked him into the room beyond. Then he slammed the door behind Talmadge and turned the lock. The deputy hurried back to the elevator. It wasn't quite a run, but it was as fast as his much-neglected cardiovascular system could manage. He closed the metal grating and peered out from behind the side of the elevator, hand on the lever, ready to go. Inside the room, Talmadge picked himself up off the dusty concrete. As his eyes adjusted to the low light of the room, he made out a rusted-out boiler tank with pipes leading off it in every direction. There was a red bulb in a safety fixture above the remains of the tank, and the tank's crumbling sides cast ominous shadows across the room. The dust in the air tasted dry and metallic. In the darkness, he heard something rustle. Against the ceiling, he saw what he thought were ominous shadows, but realized that they were branches. Something creaked and moved in the darkness. Uh, Mr. Uh, Tree? Talmadge said. From the shadow came a voice that sounded like bark scraping against bark. Weaselicklet, timorous bestie, what briags ye to my bower for us nasty? Talmadge clutched his briefcase to his chest as if it could shield him. He tried to overcome his fear. He tried to speak, but mostly he tried to translate those words into anything he could understand. Finally, he said, I'm your lawyer, you know, court-appointed. In the darkness, bark scraped across concrete and the creature emerged into the rusty light. The client was a vine-covered trunk missing its top. Leaves dropped from small and shattered branches. This was the kind of tree that would be the centerpiece of a yard featured in worse hovels and swamps. The trunk had a foul mouth-like opening and Several orifices nestled in the crotches of now-shattered branches. Talmadge fought the urge to scream. He didn't quite pull it off. So he stood there hyperventilating and letting out a series of low, intermittent moans. For the twilight borolius crepuscule vict deep in the timorous jaws of befated darkening, shiverous and trembulatory quires thou come. Ah, uh, I'm here to help. Talmadge said, not quite convincing himself. You know, it w would really help me if we could speak English. You know, just simple English. The tree creaked and said nothing. So you, you, you could start at the beginning. The narrow minds, our meat minds, cast me max gnome foe and cursed mine carbon reek and sharpened edge. Well, said Talmadge, as he paged through the court documents. That and you, you being charged with killing six people and it looks like everything else in the book, but, but never mind the details. I say we pay the parking tickets and plead everything else. He tried to sound brave and jaunty, even though his knees were shaking. Tickets of parking? The tree rumbled. It's a figure of speech. 
Come closer through the mimsy, my Borograve and Mary Chester. I'm okay here. Are there any chairs? A root slithered across the ground and twisted itself into an ominous-looking place to sit. Talmadge changed the subject. So the first thing we gotta do is establish an identity for you. If we can't get any kind of personhood working in your favor here, I'm worried the prosecution is gonna claim that you fall under the municipal code for the removal of dangerous and unsafe trees. The tree lifted what was left of his limbs to the ceiling and roared, By the cruel hands, the sapling is culled in dust dishonor laid, but rising, writhing, risable, the sap roars and cries out for the rending of meat. Can you drop the shtick? I mean, I'm not the jury and we're not warming up for an insanity plea. I'm your lawyer and you should take this seriously. When the tree gave no indication of reaction, Talmadge added, I I mean, if that's okay with you. The branches drooped and then, in a gentler tone, the tree said, I was the Gerlach named Jerry. The me that was the Gerlach turned the bound leaves and read there the life of the world but dared not to live. Not until the me that was the Gerlach fell beneath the bridge and combined with the me that is I am did the sap of true life flow through his veins and we became joined in vengeance. Yeah, so vengeance... That's what the court calls murder, so we gotta be careful not to use that word at trial. Another branch grew towards Talmadge, afraid of its touch. Another branch grew towards Talmadge. Afraid of its touch, he backed up and accidentally sat down on the root chair. The very tip of the branch, adorned with one now dying bud, poked Talmadge right between the eyes. Mock not the vengeance. Even though you are a meat mind, you are owed vengeance as well, I think. Just as the flora of this world have been persecuted and chopped and had buildings formed from their bodies, you have been stunted and used for cruel purposes other than your own. Well, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. I, I... But if you were tall and strong, if bullets hurt you not and you had strong branches made for crushing and roots made to rip and tear rock and ape kind alike, would you not take your vengeance? I would not. I'm an officer of the court and I'm here to help you. And friend, I'm the only friend you got. If you don't want my counsel, then I don't have any business being here in this ground rumbled the tree man, sleeping like a seed, waiting for the wind and the rain and the cruelty of April to call forth new growth like nemesis. Talmadge stood up and said, Okay, and scene, I'm leaving. But when he turned to knock on the door, bark and tendrils barred his path. Talmadge tried to push through, but quickly became tangled. He cursed and fought and struggled, but finally went limp, eyes wide, panting helplessly. The courts of man judge me not. The trees are ancient of the earth and are of right masters of the land. Yeah, tell it to the guys with the chainsaws. Does it make right? No, said Talmadge, but I think your bark is worse than your bite. Unknown to you is the fury of Greensong crying for vengeance. Look, man, tree, whatever, What do you want to do? Do you want my help dealing with the court, 
or do you want to face him alone? Because I'm trying to help you. The branches released Talmadge, and he fell backwards into the doorway. Tiny mammal, what do you counsel? Asked the tree man. Make a deal. A deal? Look, they're going to be hot for it. Nobody wants this thing to go to trial because nobody can say which way it's going to go. Are you insane? Are you even human? No offense, but that might be the issue with the bar, you see. None taken, creaked the tree. See, these charge papers... Wait, did you go before a magistrate? Some meat yelled under the door. Eh, makes sense, I guess. How did they get you down here, anyway? Bunch of cops? They netted me, but they could not control me. Until a man in a suit defeated me. Yeah, the lynx. No, I defeated the crat man easily. The other man, with suit, with tails. Very powerful. The explosion. Okay, that doesn't matter. On these charge papers, it has... Unspecified tree-human-mutant hybrid. Talmadge looked up at the deciduous bulk in the corner. Eh, well, fair enough, I guess. But what do you call yourself? I am the Bogus, and I speak for the trees. Okay, the Bogus is fine, but that other part is not going to fly. That's the Lorax. Home? The tree-human-mutant hybrid rumbled. The Lorax, you know, Dr. Seuss? No. Okay, Bogus. The Bogus. Yeah, I'd like the angle. Endangered species. There may be something to that. Here's what I say. We make a deal... Maybe get you a nice spot with southern exposure and a minimum. I must fight. All things must fight to break ground. To seek sunlight, I must fight, and you will not fight for me. Hey, I'm a fighter. I just don't see a way to win. I scent your carbon, and it tastes of fear. Even the smallest seed can find a way through the thickest concrete. I'm not sure your proverb-be-sounding thing is exactly accurate there, my friend. I will not deal with perfidious meat mines. Talmadge thought about how the DA and the rest of the system rode on his shoulders. The man wanted a plea. And who was Talmadge to argue? If it went to trial, the office of the district attorney could bring resources to bear that Talmadge could never hope to match. He didn't have any paralegals. He didn't even have a paraplegic. But how to get this stubborn stump to agree to make a deal? When is a deal not a deal? Okay, Talmadge began. Look at it this way. How many more years do you think you're going to live? The Bogus had no answer for this. There are trees that are thousands of years old, right? So you're going to outlive all of these people. All you need to do is bide your time. I mean, do you need your revenge right now? You've got more patience than the meat mines, so you wait a minute. I mean, like 20 years would be like 20 minutes in your lifespan. The bogus creaked. So as long as we don't get life, you're golden. You plant yourself, literally. You get out maybe on parole for good behavior, lovely foliage, whatever. You're refreshed. You're in the prime of your life. And everybody you want to get revenge on, you can just pick them off one by one. Because now they're old. They're weak, bad eyesight, probably never even see you coming. You fall on them just like, like, like a tree, right? The rains will wash me clean, 
and Mother Earth will take me to her bosom, and my fibers will grow strong, setting ring upon ring, and preparing to cut a swath through the meat forest of men. Then fire and bark and branch shall... Okay, okay, I get the idea, but can I figure out a deal for you? No more than thirty years. I'll see what I can do, said Talmadge, putting out his hand. A branch snaked into Talmadge's palm, and they shook on it which left him wondering how much of that tree was man and how much of that man was tree. It was a bark-wrapped hot mess, and Talmadge wasn't at all convinced that his strange new client wasn't lying to him about everything. If you like How to Succeed in Evil, you should support it by becoming a paid subscriber at patrickemaclean.substack.com. And if you do, I mean, for the paltry sum of $5 a month, you get to binge the rest of this story right now. I mean, that's a good deal, right? You not only get to satisfy your need for instant gratification, but you get to do so in a way that lets you feel good about yourself while you're doing it. So if you want to wait a week to get the next episode, that's fine. It'll be here right on schedule. But is it the most evil thing in the world to suggest that in these trying times, you deserve a little happiness? It's actually fairly evil. This is marketing, but you should still subscribe.